As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I guess it's really about focusing on your strengths, getting to know your true self, what you're good at. And for me, it was raising capital. And I think it's a lot of it's how you do it. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name. Episode 565 titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And... He is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free and then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We don't talk about any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice ever. I hope you're having a best ever weekend because it is Sunday. We're doing a special segment called Skill Set Sunday. By the end of our conversation, you're going to come away with a skill that... Well, maybe you didn't have it before, or perhaps you'll hone your skill. And the skill that we're going to be talking about today, oh, I love this topic, raising capital. We've got someone, our best ever guest, Dave Van Horn, who is going to raise 
at least $50 million this year and has already raised $50 million. Dave, how you doing? Hey, uh, thanks for inviting me to the best ever podcast, Jeff. My pleasure. And well, if you recognize Dave's name, you are a very, very loyal best ever listener because Dave was on episode number 39, way back October 12th, 2014. You were one of the first episodes that I did when I started doing this thing daily. I started being a psycho about it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the podcast daily and see how it shakes out. So episode 39, he talks about his best advice ever and more of his background. We're not going to talk about that in detail. We're going to talk about raising money and what he raises money for. He's based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You can say hi to him at his website. It's in the show notes page. Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit about your background, just to give some context. Sure. Joe, the last podcast, it was more about my real estate background. And, you know, I started in construction, became a realtor when I was like 26, and then became an investor, and then did fix and flips and buy and hold, and and then became a lender, and then got into notes. And my primary role in the note space is as a fundraiser. And then I did a bunch of stuff in between that, like sold insurance, I did property management, I traded options, and then I had a wife and two kids too, right? But all those things played a role into what I do today. And my actual fundraising, it actually started over time through the real estate side and started out with the typical real estate investor where they're raising money for one deal or eventually drift into private money or hard money. And then it just morphed and morphed and morphed and eventually got into raising commercial real estate capital. I did that and then off into the note space. So so it kind of evolved, right? So right now in your role, you are raising money for what? Primarily, <laughs> I wear a few hats, but primarily I'm heavily into the note space, which is one to four family residential mortgages nationwide. And we buy from the big players and the banks and, and things like that. And we buy large quantities of distressed mortgages mostly. And we don't deal in commercial and we don't deal in unsecured or student loan debt or that type. So we're in the debt space, basically. Let's add some context to that for perhaps some best ever listeners who aren't familiar with note buying. I've never done note buying, so I don't have direct experience in it. When you raise a million bucks and you buy a million dollars worth of residential mortgages, it's different from, say, when I raise a million dollars and I buy an apartment community because I'm raising a million and I'm putting a loan on it. Whereas you're raising a million and you're buying the loan. Is that correct? Yes, you're right. We can't really leverage like you could. So when I raised capital for commercial real estate in the very beginning, I was doing it with mobile home parks, for example. We bought $32 million worth of mobile home parks and we raised $8 million for down payment, closing costs, and fix up, right? So you could see you're able to leverage the financing, whether it's owner financing or bank financing. Whereas in the note space, you're putting up cash, but you're buying at a big discount. Some loans can be re-leveraged, like first mortgages are easier to re-leverage with a bank, but it is much more difficult buying distressed assets and saying, I want a loan on that. Because think about it, they wouldn't get their mind around, how can you collect on what they can't? Mm -hmm. So you've raised money for mobile home parks, and you're primarily raising money for 
notes, who are your business partners who are bringing the equity? And I'm not looking for names. I'm just looking for, you know, I want their social security number, their bank account number. No, I'm looking for how you know them. That's the root of the question. It's funny that you say that because like my fundraising started in the real estate side. And in the very beginning, I actually started a group called Ring, which was Real Estate Investor Networking Group. And actually, it still runs today. There's a branch in Chicago and one in Philadelphia. And when we first started, it was 12 people at lunch. And over a six-year period, we ended up in five states and six cities from Baltimore to New York. So obviously, it grew. And we had about 8,000 people in our database. And that was before the crash in, in around 2008. So we had this real estate group. And one of my roles in the group, well, we did networking. We had dinner. People would bring their deals to the meetings that we meet monthly. And I used to interview the speakers. And what would happen over time was people would come to me saying, can we present to your group? And a lot of times I'd get an opportunity to raise capital for them. They would ask me because they knew I had a large network. So they would say, hey, would you help us raise money for mobile home parks and storage centers and, and commercial office condos and things like that? And that's how it started. And then one of our speakers happened to be a gentleman out of New York who was raising capital for pools of distressed mortgages. And of course, he came down and spoke and everybody thought it was a great idea. And of course, I didn't do anything for like three years, but I had a partner who did. And then around the time of the market changing, we were like, my one partner today was a former lender and I was a real estate guy. And we were like, hey, what side of the fence do we want to be on in this downturn? And we reached out to the guy in New York and he showed us the collection side of the mortgage space. And he knew we could raise capital because we were doing it for commercial real estate. So it's definitely a little bit harder to raise money, especially we started out in second mortgages. So I'll give you an idea, Joe. You know what it's like with an apartment space, for example. It's much different to raise money for apartments or mobile home parks or something than it is to raise it for delinquent upside down second mortgages with no equity <laughs> and bankruptcy. Right? So if you can raise money for that, right, you can raise money for anything. Right? So, but I was fortunate and really blessed that I was able to learn from this one company was in New Jersey and they were raising money for mobile home parks in Michigan and Indiana. And they did have one place in Pennsylvania. And the beauty of that was by raising capital for them, I was able to learn how to raise capital and get paid to do it. So that part was pretty cool. It was a situation where the deal was good, but their partnership turned bad. But I learned a lot and, you know, a new, the new venture appeared in the ring group with the note space. So it was kind of a, you know, like a blessing in disguise. I think the reason I had the success I have today was through some of the hiccups along the way earlier on. I want to focus on the delinquent upside down mortgage and bankruptcy raising money part. But I do have a question just to close the loop on the mobile home stuff. How were you compensated? How did you know what to charge them for helping gather everyone to raise the money for their deals? Most of the time it's through points or a salary plus bonus. That was typically how we were set up. So we have different entities the one deal was like four mobile home parks. And then some of the other mobile home parks were individual parks, but they were all over a hundred units. And then one storage center sat by itself. And then the other storage center was part of a park. So there's a lot of owner financing in that space. I mean, that's a fundamental difference I see today between mobile home parks and apartments. The apartments are easier to get financing on. It's kind of the same way in the note space. You know, I said seconds are hard to leverage, but first mortgages are easier to leverage. Well, it's the same way if you compare mobile home parks 
with apartments. Apartments are much easier to leverage, right? Mm -hmm. The banks can get their mind around that. Whereas mobile home parks, it's a little riskier. It's a motor vehicle title. It has all these nuance to it, you know, so a little different animal. So just to give a best ever listener an idea of what they could make on example where you raise money for a mobile home park and you're part of the LLC and you get a salary plus bonus or points, how much is that? I mean, how do you know what to say? Yes, I'm worth this much because I'm going to help you raise a million bucks or whatever you did. Well, I was pretty naive back then. We were typically paid points or what we were really doing was a lot of times the minimum investment was pretty high. So it was like a quarter million dollars was the minimum investment in some of these vehicles. So we didn't always have a quarter of a million dollars. So we would start our own entity and maybe create 11 shares at 25,000 a piece. You follow me? But yep. the 11th share is my share and I didn't really put any capital up. So that was one way. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we were bonused from the company for raising money from them. So it was a combination of things. So Got sometimes it. we were paid for a marketing expense. And then on the other side, you were paid through a piece of the action by putting the deal together, so to speak. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, you can get paid both ways. So we were fundraisers and investors as well, like me and some of the other people raising capital for the group. Now, I love how you said earlier, if you can raise money for delinquent upside down mortgages and bankruptcy, you can raise money for anything. And I agree. I agree. Tell us, what insights have you acquired that help you raise money for the perception of what I just said? (laughs) It's kind of like, what's the best advice on that, right? It's kind of like honing in on what you're best at. And that took me a while to figure out in my life, right? You tell I did all these crazy things, right? You're like, this guy's unbelievable. How can he do all these things? But it was really like a search to figure out what you were good at. What it turned out was that I was really good at this capital side of thing. And it's not so much what I do, but how I do it. And it's about focusing on my strengths, not my weaknesses, right? Like I'm not very good at guitar or speaking French and I could study my brains out and I'll probably be mediocre at best. So it's, focusing on what I'm good at. And it's really about the way I do it. And I think it's by helping people. In the beginning, I almost went down the path of the typical guru at first and gladly switched gears because what I realized was it's really about me sharing and helping other people build and preserve their wealth, that type of thing, whether it's through education and things like that, or low cost information, books, that type of thing. And It's really that give value first type thing, if you know what I mean. So I think if you focus on what you do best, and the typical business of raising money is really me, 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 you know, hooray for me. I want to make a lot of money or something like that. Whereas if you notice the people that really are good at raising capital have a bigger purpose a lot of times than themselves. Like even when we were doing the mobile home park thing, they were actually building a Christian academy and they were funding it from the proceeds of the parks. So they had a purpose that was bigger than them. And you'll see that today with some businesses, startups, where they'll be digging wells in third world countries. Um, Actually, my assistant's doing that. She's going to Nepal this summer. It's part of the business model and the charities built into it. So that's always a cool thing, right? If you could do that right at the outset. So I think sometimes there's some good ways to do things to raise money because it's much easier to raise money for charity, for example than to raise money for Dave or Joe or Mm -hmm. 
but it's really about giving value first and helping others. And I think with all the different experience I've had, it's easy for me to do that. So it's really through this content creation sometimes and experience that I share with others. And I think people get to know you and it builds trust and confidence. And people, when they start to become more comfortable, they become more confident. Okay. I'm taking notes and I'm hearing that. And I also want to dig in a little bit deeper because I would love to know people are investing in delinquent upside down mortgages that are in bankruptcy. So I hear you that you're adding value first, you're creating content, you're educating people, you're building the relationship. The bigger purpose, I understand how that could be positioned and hold true where you're helping people work out their mortgage so that they stay in. You don't want to repossess it. So you're doing what you can there. So you do have an altruistic angle that you can talk about. That being said, delinquent upside down mortgages and bankruptcy, how do you position those conversations specifically when you're talking to people? Well, obviously you have to do a little bit of education, right? Because people are only going to invest in what they know. So in the beginning, we would relate notes to real estate. And most of our biggest customer is really an investor. And we have three types of investor, right? We have an investor who would invest in a note. And then we have people that invest in a fund. And then we have people that need more information and we provide free or low cost mm. information. And it's really to get them to understand the investment. So in the beginning, it's kind of simple because everybody's in the note business already. They just don't know it. So you have a credit card, you have a student loan, you have auto debt, you have a medical debt, you have mortgages, right? The country is just loaded to the gills with debt, but people don't think about receiving a check. They just think about writing checks every month, right? I'm talking in general. Uh, I'm sure the best ever listeners are a lot more savvy, but you get, <laughs> you get the get idea. Yeah, yep. So it's really about how do I come across the aisle and start to think like the bank or becoming the bank? And what are the advantages of that? And one of the things that intrigued me from the investment side was if I could buy something at a discount with a high yield that's backed by a piece of real estate, hey, that's pretty intriguing. And oh, by the way, it fits one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs because everybody needs a place to live, right? So there's more to it than just equity, for example. There's things like emotional equity, for example, that with a junior lien, you know, why would somebody stay if their house was upside down? And the reason is because they need a place to live. It doesn't have to make sense other than what do they pay monthly and what would it cost me to move from here? Or there's emotional equity where I raised my kids there. I finished the basement. I know the neighbors. What would my family think? It would cost me more to move into another place with first month, last month, month security, pay for a mover. Or do I just figure something out on my junior lien and stay here? You know, so there's all that going on. I always describe emotional equity as Joe Fairless in his midlife crisis buying a red convertible. He drives it off the lot. It drops 10 or 20 grand in value, but he looks cool. The girls like it. So he buys it. Now, does it make sense financially? Hell no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? That's emotional equity, right? Uh -huh. So when you apply that to a house, it's even more powerful. The number one thing, for lack of a better word, because I can't think of a better, bigger word than that, but the number one thing that investors want to make sure of in their investment is they don't want to lose money. And that studies after studies prove that out, that if you ask someone 
or do a experiment with someone and you either take 50 cents from them or give them 50 cents, they're much more pissed off if you take it than they are happy if you give them 50 cents. And even if you give them 75 cents but take 50 cents, they're still pissed off about the 50 cents. So how do you address that with your business model? Because that has to be a question that comes up continuously or at least a thought process of, ah, I don't know if I want to invest in upside down mortgages that are in bankruptcy. Well, first of all, they're not all upside down and they don't always stay upside down. So there are assets that are covered with equity, like first mortgages. And then there's assets that are partial equity. And then there obviously there's some assets that are no equity, but they're priced accordingly and they have different yields. And then there's different ways to spread the risk. So one of the things you mentioned is how do you sell an asset that's partial equity or upside down? And what we found was we listened to the buyers and they were concerned too. And part of it's track record. And then part of it, we actually have a warranty on our performing notes. And the warranty puts some people at ease. Now the warranty is only as good as the company because if the company goes out of business, then the warranty wouldn't be very valid, right? But the other side is some people will go, you know what? I have a portfolio of 20 notes, right? And 15 or 18 of them all have equity. I feel good about that. But hey, here's a note with partial equity. It's a lot cheaper, has a lot higher yield. Maybe I'll take a flyer and invest that or I'll invest 10% of my portfolio in this crazier asset class with more yield. And then other things happen too. Like for example, phantom appreciation. If you had a note that was partially covered by equity and the market comes back, maybe it's a note in Phoenix or Florida or, or wherever, and the real estate market comes back. And now all of a sudden that note I got a great price on, the equity comes back in the property behind that note. And all of a sudden the note's worth more. And I didn't really do anything. The market did that. Mm -hmm. And I was collecting payments all along and I could sell my note for the same or more than when I bought it. And I might've been collecting on it for three or four years. So that's a neat phenomenon too. If I buy a note that is upside down, what's the warranty cover me for? Our warranty was investment principal minus payments received. And still is when you buy a performing note. It could be first or second mortgage. When you buy a performing note. Yes. Now, if you buy a non-performing note, we only warranty that it's in the lien position and that it's a valid lien. And it's in the lien position as advertised. Okay, got it. So if you buy a non-performing, then it's... It's a little uh, more... Yeah, yeah, it's a, you're, you're a more savvy person. Usually, you should know what you're doing. You know, it's a little more dangerous game. Yep. Right? Okay, makes sense. What else, if anything, should we talk about as it relates to raising capital? I guess it's really about focusing on your strengths, getting to know your true self, what you're good at. And for me, it was raising capital. And I think it's a lot of it's how you do it. When I think about like my best ever deal on the raising capital side has been where people have invested a couple million dollars or something, and I haven't really met them yet. And that's just a testament to the systems and processes you have in place as far as your web presence, your profile, your content creation that you do, the stories that you tell, the experience that you show. Because you know how it might take several touches for someone to feel comfortable to move forward with an investment. It makes sense, right? But if you can become more efficient at that, maybe. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, sort of like a podcast is, right? A podcast is more efficient than 
me flying on a plane to a hotel in Ohio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can reach more people potentially. So it's kind of like that. It's just, what can I do more efficiently to provide information, comfort, advice, everything from paperwork to, it's really the, the systems and the process of moving, uh, you know, facilitating investors, giving them the information they need in a more efficient way. Maybe that's what I'm saying. So it's really not a salesy type thing. It's really finding ways for them to get to know you better sooner. Maybe that's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. That makes sense. And it's kind of interesting when some people invest with us. Now, the other thing is we do provide outlets to connect with them though. You know what I mean? So we do make ourselves available, whether that's Q&A conference calls or actually have events for our ideal customers, so to speak. So, you know, I run a group, it's called Strategic Investor Alliance, for example. And that group is really a venue for high net worth investors to one, meet with me or meet with people that I know, and also to look at other investment vehicles and other experts. It's like a group that I put together. It's different than what I used to do with that real estate group years ago, right? I used to facilitate and network with all these real estate investors. Today, it's a little higher level group but very similar in the concept of we just share resources, right? And we vet investments and I bring in other investment vehicles, other funds. And some people look at me kind of strange and they go, well, why would you do that? Why would you bring other investment vehicles? Aren't you raising money? And the answer is, yeah, but my investors and myself, I'm an investor. I like to look at a lot of investments and I like to vet them. And we all have different strategies and our group kind of acts like a Yelp for various funds, investments, and other types of alternative investments that we all like. And then we bring in experts too, lawyers, accountants, and asset protection, and legacy planning, and all that stuff. So we kind of do all these things that we have in common. And I think by sharing that type of value, that shared values approach, I don't know if I raise more money from that, but I think people see the value in it. And uh, it, we don't sell anything at this group, for example. It's just information and shared resources. And I think a lot of investors like that because they can validate their investing strategy. They can help to build a solid portfolio of investments and they can see what other investors like them are doing. So I think it's a unique way to do it. You know, Dave, where can the best ever listeners learn more about you and get in touch with you? Probably the best way is through my site at pprnoteco.com. And anybody can reach out to me direct at biggerpockets.com forward slash users forward slash Dave Van Horn. Well, Dave, thank you for being on the show, talking to us about the lessons that you apply to raising money in a perceived difficult area of raising money. That's for sure. How you help people first through education, content creation. Love this money quote, find ways to get them to get to know you better sooner. I think that's really the epitome of it all is how can you, well, adding value. I think there's probably like added value part in there too, in that quote, which you've talked about before. So that's great stuff. And then also identifying your core audience. As you said, you have three an investor who will invest in a note, an investor who will invest in a fund, or an investor who needs more information. And seeing where they are in the marketing funnel and then giving them what they're looking for. 
Lots of great stuff. If you're raising money for delinquent upside down mortgages and bankruptcy, then you can raise money for anything. And that's why I'm grateful that we had our conversation to share that with other best ever listeners who are raising money as well. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Take care now. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com.